Welcome back to a new series of the Bastionland podcast. As this is series three, we're exploring the rule of three, where each week I ask a new guest to tell me about the three tabletop games that are most important to them. Today, I'm joined by the creative mind behind some of the most fascinating miniature pieces I've ever seen brought to life. The architect of a grim world of death and blood, beauty and ruin. Welcome to the show, the visionary behind Gardens of Hecate, Anna Planschek. Hi, Anna. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a lovely sunny day. Yeah, which is quite at odds with, I mean, I was describing your work uh, that you do with miniatures there, and I, I can't imagine sunshine in your world. <laughs> well, you can't be in darkness all the time. It's going insane. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it, it, it's interesting to have you on because I think you're the... Um, out of all the guests that I've had on this series, um, it'll be interesting to get your perspective because you're the most kind of miniatures-driven person, I think, based on the, uh, the other people I've got. So without giving away what your choices are, how did you go about choosing three games that were important for you? Well, um, uh, like one of the games was um, the one I played the most uh, in general. Like I played it in its its normal, original uh, form. So I went to tournaments and, and all that, and uh, I did it because I actually really liked the game mechanics. Another one uh, was a very important game for for narrative games. A lot of narrative games and, and campaign-driven game systems uh, evolved from it. And another one is an, an overall the, the most famous uh, pen and paper role-playing game. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's um, we've got a nice a nice spread, and I'm in, I'm interested to get to that final pick because I'm especially interested to hear what you've got to say about that one. But um, but let's get on to your choices. So, would you like to say what was your what was your first game that you've chosen here? Uh, it was Malifo. Malifo. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a skirmish tabletop miniatures game. Mm-hmm. So it's um yeah it's a t- tabletop miniatures game. Exactly. Um, and I, I'm interested to see this. It, it, you've put this as your first choice. Is it? It was it your first miniatures game that you got into? Uh, no, the first miniatures game I got into was Warhammer Fantasy. It was a long time ago. I actually okay. I actually never played a single game of Warhammer Fantasy. Oh wow! I collected several armies but I never played a single game. Uh, the first game I played was uh, Confrontation, which was a game made ah, by a yeah. French French company, Rackham Miniatures, and it died soon after I started playing. <laughs> <laughs> and Malifo was the third game I actually played. Okay. Uh, what attracted me to the game was the mechanics. It doesn't use dice, it uses cards for, for mm. RNG. Uh, what I like about that is uh, you have a hand of cards, and uh, it feels l- less like you depend on the randomness. So if you want something, to, some action to succeed, to really succeed, then you prepare, you have your hand of cards, you have this big card, you save it for that action, and then you put it down. You you usually get, get to do what you wanted, unless your opponent has an even bigger card. But uh, sure, it, sure. there's a better sense of control. It's not like you, you, you know, a one on the dice, it, it, it ruins your entire plan. Yeah, and that's a big contrast to, you know, Warhammer Fantasy, certainly. Um, 
the, the, there's there's the sort of the, the cliche that the the games workshop games are designed to have as many dice rolls as possible. Yeah. Um, so Malifaux appealed to that sense of what was it? Was it the was it the sense of control you had over the strategy that appealed yes. to you, or was it more the kind of the narrative side? In that sense, yes, the sense of control of what, what I'm doing, but also the. Um, the narrative side is also good in Malifo because you each of your miniatures, since it's a skirmish game, each of them is a character, mm. and you have yes. like at most a dozen models on on your mm. side. So, and each of them has several actions to spend each turn. It's very uh, interactive because you don't activate your entire side and then your opponent activates all their models, but one model per player. So it's. Uh, they interchangeably activate their models, so mm. you, you can react to what's what's happening on the board better than if you move your entire army, like in Warhammer. Yeah, it's uh, it still amazes me that I mean I know that Games Workshop has dabbled with that sort of alternate activation thing, but it, it feels like they they really don't want to let go of the I go you go system. Well, I guess it's working well for them, so they they yeah. have no, no need <laughs> this is, to change yeah. it. I'm sounding very uh, pretentious there. Yeah, thank you for calling me out on that. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's definitely some appeal in that. Um, I, I've 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 played a demo version of Mal like a demo game of Malifaux once many years ago. So I'm not going to pretend to be like an expert in in Malifaux. But my memory of it was that it did feel it, it was the, the character was what jumped out at me. Um, like the, the feeling that each of your each of your miniatures was a character rather than you know e even with other skirmish games like necromunda like you could give your characters names and things like that but you you would probably still have like two or three normal gangers that are kind of you know somewhat generic yeah with malifo it did feel a lot more certainly in the game i played it felt a lot more like you were uh, you were controlling characters like um almost like you were watching a film like it had yeah, that kind of yeah. slightly more cinematic thing and yeah um it, it's interesting because when i was looking back through malifaux um before we recorded this the whole the whole way, the way that characters are built it reminded me a lot of what i've seen in your your homebrew system that you've made um is is there an influence from malifaux in there which yeah definitely we my brother and i my brother mm -hmm. um collaborates with me on making the our rule system, Pabula. Uh, he's more of the rules guy. Like I'm sure. I'm I have the vision of the world and what, what should be in there, but he he does the you know the rule stuff. He has a knack for that. I yeah, yeah. less so. Um, so yeah we, we were we played Malapo for years and we were both very familiar with it. So when we first started homebrewing uh, we just took Malapo and uh, adapted it for our own characters because, uh, like you said, each each uh, model is a character. In Malapo, it literally they give you the name of the character. There's yeah yeah. Uh, if if you want to make your own characters, you have to you know replace their characters with your own. So that, that's how I started when I started my blog. Mm. I made uh, you know a, a customized. Malifaux Warband, which wasn't even from that universe. I just adapted the rules for my own character. Yeah, that's cool. So, and did the, um, I'm trying to sort of piece together a timeline here. So when, when you got into Malifaux, were you, you were still um, obviously very interested in the modeling side of things. Um, were, were you, when you were playing that, were you building your own warbands from the start? 
um, your own, uh, sorry, I forget what they're called. Are they called gangs, warbands? Uh, uh, crews, actually. Crew, yeah. So, yeah. so were, you, were you sort of making your own crew from the start or did you kind of uh, go into Malifaux with the, the kind of vanilla Malifaux content, if you like? Yeah, the, the first thing I made was vanilla. But then soon after, I started making my own stuff. Uh, the problem is the other players were not that uh, happy with that because they couldn't recognize what ah, right. what they were playing against. So I just said, "Fine, when I'm playing with when I'm playing regular Malifaux, I'm just gonna play with regular Malifaux models, maybe slightly yeah, converted, sure. but yeah, and I'm gonna keep my own crazy stuff to myself." Um, yeah, so I continued playing vanilla Malifaux for years, and then I kind of got fed up with it and stopped. Mm. And was that the same with your, so you mentioned about playing, uh, well, collecting Warhammer Fantasy um, sort of before then. You said you had several armies. Were, were they um, original creations or or were they more, again, more stock miniatures? They they were weird, yeah. I Pretty much <laughs> when I started the hobby, I, I went with, with my own imagination. I had a Chaos Army when I immediately invented my own god. Uh, another one was um, an ogre army, which were not ogres, they were giant orcs. So I converted all the uh, ogre kingdoms models into orcs and they were green. I also had a 40k army. Uh, that one was pretty vanilla, except the orcs weren't green. They were kind of a tan color. But yeah, I, I usually <laughs> I usually make something weird. It's uh, I kind of have that urge because... All those vanilla things, they already exist. There are painters who already did that better than I could. And yeah. yeah. I, I feel the need to make something new. I feel the same. And I know that when I'm building, even if I'm just building a stock miniature, so the one that I'm thinking of is um, I've recently been making some miniatures for the uh, from the Frostgrave uh, kits, yeah. which are sort of very, very modular kits where you've got a lot of customization. So I was really happy when I was making them and I was thinking, oh, I'm making these original creations. But then if I see somebody else's miniature and it has like the same combination of head, body and arms, I feel like I've lost something. It's um, it's like deflating to see that my miniature exists somewhere else. So I, I get, I definitely get the appeal to see, to have those original creations that don't exist anywhere else. And in terms of Malifaux now, would you say, are you still, do you still play Malifaux now or have you sort of moved on to other systems? No, I, I stopped a couple of years ago, actually. I I completely moved on to, to other systems. Tournament play, I'm completely disinterested in that anymore. I just play mm. narrative games pretty much. So Confrontation that you mentioned before Malifaux, yeah. um, I, I thought I recognized that because I, th I think was there was like a, a sort of precursor to Necromunda called Confrontation. Um, yeah, it's, it's a different game. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's it's entirely different to what I was thinking of. So um, so what was what was confrontation exactly? It was a skirmish game, also with smaller warbands. It had fantastic miniatures, like they they were really beautifully sculpted metal miniatures. Hmm. And uh, you had you know smaller warbands, and they fought. It's the, the rules were not that great, to be honest. But I, I was sure. really attracted to it because of the miniatures which are sadly out of print for long. And there was uh, recently a Kickstarter trying to bring them back, which turned out to be a scam. Oh, so, no. yeah, the sad story with confrontation. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's always the danger, isn't it, with Kickstarters? So, yeah, that that's cool. It's cool to hear about Malifaux because it's something that I've always seen in the background myself 
but it was it, it didn't quite grab me i don't know whether it was the the miniature range or it was just a little bit too unfamiliar but yeah i, I would love to go back and revisit malifo so I, I think maybe i'll i'll try and give it another chance it's it's still alive it's in third edition now i think it's 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 going on yeah and um in terms of that narrative style it, it does seem like it was making a conscious effort to to embrace that kind of narrative style of play um more so than I, i'm going to keep comparing to games workshop i'm sorry because yeah. that, that i kind of feel like that's the 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 benchmark for the sorry the, the touchstone for so many people um so, so I apologize for comparing everything to Games Workshop games, yeah. but it, yeah, it did feel like it was it was a, a move towards a more narrative style of play that perhaps at the time I, I wasn't quite appreciating. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I'm interested to give that another go. It's it's visible in the in the mechanics of Malifaux. Also, your goal is not to obliterate the enemy crew. It's always each each game you uh, yes. get. A, several objectives which can be like deliver a message or go there and blah 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 so every time it's something different and it's not necessarily killing so you know you can win a game without killing any enemy models at all or if your entire warband or crew is dead you can still win oh that's cool it's yeah anything that shakes up the format like that i think is is always worth trying at least i think there's some people that would still want to keep that kind of more confrontational more combat driven style but i think it's, it's definitely worth a try to anybody who's uh, who's not tried that out uh, i agree so on a slightly related note but perhaps not too closely related um what is your second game that you've chosen today uh, it's more time. It's Games Workshop's game from 1999. Um, like Malifo, it also takes place in a city that's been ruined. Um, it's uh, more orientated towards a campaign experience. So you have your warband, and uh, they progress through a series of games, trying to gather riches uh, and, and retire uh, rich. Yep. Uh, but... Um, they can gather like uh, loot and uh, experience and even injuries, or they can die. So uh, you get attached to your your uh, warband, to the characters in it, and uh, you see what happens to them over the course of the, the campaign. Hmm. And it's interesting comparing it to Malifaux because, like you say, though, if you were to look at it from a distance, there there is a lot of similarity there. Absolutely. Um, but it's a very different style of play, I would imagine. I mean, you spoke about in Malifaux having that sense of control over things because of the card-based play. Yeah. And my memory of Mordheim is having very little control. Oh, <laughs> over, yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot, with, with, no pun intended, but there is a lot of chaos in the game. Absolutely. Um, in both senses. And um, yeah, my, my I, I, I played Necromunda a lot and Mordheim came in just a little bit too late for me. I, I was sort of moving into my hiatus from miniature games at this point. And my memory of it is trying it out very briefly. And yeah, that there was some like, I think it must, it must have been just to do with the scenarios, but there, there was some kind of scenarios that involved like um, demons 
coming into the battlefield and that it was there was a lot of randomness that i remember like causing lots of uh lots of death in my warband so um it, yeah. it, it really has that that kind of feel which i've i, I think i've come to terms with just to, to, to some degree i do like that randomness and these things that create these strange moments and create these stories so you, you say that you played did you play in sort of a long form campaign of Mordheim? No, no, I I haven't played it much actually. Yeah. I, I I think I started two campaigns uh, like many years ago and never finished them. And uh, the most I actually played it was at, uh, at the anniversary event in 2019, uh, Mordheim 2019. It was oh, in, cool. in Helsinki, organized by uh, Alexander Winberg. Um, it gathered around 20. Uh, hobbyists from from different parts of the world and we we had this a little anniversary campaign during one day so it, it was pretty cool and um for anybody that wants to see i, I believe all obviously that there's lots of uh, miniatures available to look at on your um on your website yes but the mordheim 2019 ones i remember standing out to me so what was your what was your warband just for those people that haven't seen um, your Mordheim warband that you took to that event? Sure. My my warband was the Possessed. So these are servants of chaos. There's a chaos entity inside the city of Mordheim, and these guys are the followers of that, of that thing. I modeled them using uh, modern miniatures, like most of plastics, uh, and they look like filthy, naked fanatics with sacks yeah. on their heads. They, they look pretty scary. Like you, you wouldn't want to meet those guys. Uh, the other warband I made, which was for a friend who couldn't uh, make uh, his own warband, was uh, the kind of, sort of the opposite of them, which was the, the Sigmar fanatics, the witch hunters, mm. the, the enemies of, of those, who are also filthy. They're not naked. They're, they're all bundled up and, and have like nice uh, uh, hats. Um, so yeah, I made two warbands of, of filthy fanatics, and I think it's um, it's it, it kind of sums up what I like about your miniatures, which is that to, to look at them, I, I wouldn't imagine that they possibly come from something that games. Were, uh, well, I'm talking about the more extreme um, modifications here, the yeah. ones that are more different, and th- they they simultaneously they look like nothing that Games Workshop would put out themselves. Uh, it, it's clear that this is something that's not been made by Games Workshop, but it fits perfectly with the feel of Mordheim. I'm thinking about the, the witch hunters in particular. Um, uh, yeah, with uh, the kind of the pointed hats and the um, yeah, just just their like stances, and it's it, it fits so well, and it looks like something out of the artwork rather than something that you'd see on an actual Games Workshop shelf, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mordheim has, the, the Mordheim rulebook has fantastic artwork, and the, the whole book is, is beautiful, and uh, it really pulls you into the world. And I think the, the original Mordheim models that were released for the game are nothing like that artwork, actually. Yeah. They have their charm, but, but you know, I don't, th- I don't think they fit, really. Yeah, they're a bit too clean, and um, I remember having like the, the, the Skaven set, and even the Skaven somehow felt a little bit. I, I, I did like that set, but I think looking back at it, you're right that it's there's a definite disconnect between what was on the page and what was what the miniatures actually felt like on the table. 
And I think I think part of that is just you're always going to get you're always going to be able to do more when you when you sort of do the modeling when you do some of your own modeling you're always going to have a little bit more freedom of course than what you're going to get in the set so it's uh, it's a bit unfair to compare what you're getting on a plastic sprue with you know the, these works that you've produced but no it's 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 really cool and it 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 makes me excited about the prospect of playing Mordham again if I ever get to uh, actually actually do that because I think f- for me it always felt it was always kind of slightly forgotten because for me like Necromunda came first and Mordheim kind of felt like the the sequel to Necromunda mm-hmm. rather than its own thing. But um but no, it's really cool seeing um seeing this art kind of brought to life in in your in your work. Well the the other guys who were at the event, they they also made some really insane conversions and beautiful warbands. So uh, I think everything is everything can be seen at the Echoes of Imperium uh, blog. That's Alexander's blog. I think cool. all, all the models can be seen there. And in the 28 mag, the free digital magazine uh, that was created by the community around this dark approach to, to Warhammer 40k and fantasy, uh, I think in, in volume two, the the event was featured so you can, you can yeah, see yeah. all that on, on the pages of 28 i mean if you are if you're listening to this and you are interested in miniatures and you've not read 28 magazine then you are in for a treat because I, i'm just going to tell you you need to go and read it now because it's <laughs> it's there's so much cool stuff in there and um yeah the mordheim stuff is, is great in there it's good good to see it Mordheim being your second pick. Um, before we move on to your final pick, um, I wanted to talk briefly about. So you, you mentioned briefly the um, that you and your brother are working on a a sort of homebrew system yeah. um, that you're using for your games. Other than these two, were there any other miniature games that really inspired you to make your own game in this way? Well, there are influences from all over the place, but the, hmm. the why we made our own system is because uh, we were planning an event called Sunhold, the the last, the first triumvirate. Uh, it was supposed to take place last year, but you know the pandemic yeah, yeah. ruined that, uh, and we needed uh, a rule system that would specifically fit our needs because it was going to be a multiplayer narrative game. So we needed uh, we had good flow. So People don't wait for ages for their turn, you know. Mm-hmm. So basically, we that's that's why we decided to to make our own system specifically for this event. And then later, you know, people were interested, so we published it for everyone. And we're working to to turn it into something actually publishable, you know. For now, it's 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 unfinished, I would say. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely, other games we we played, uh, role playing games and miniature games had influence on it in some way yeah and it, it kind of fits that the, the existence of it kind of fits the whole um the whole ink 28 idea which is uh, the, the impression i get from the ink 28 community is um obviously there's a huge amount of it is about modeling and painting and creating these these war bands but because there is no one Ink Twenty Eight rule set. Um, you know, if you're not using Inquisitor itself, yeah. um, it's 
it's almost like that that um that empty space is waiting to be filled by people and it's like it's kind of encouraging you to do it yourself and to make your own system for whatever event you're running and your own specific systems for a, a specific scenario if you like yeah so it's like that kind of um design space is left open so that there's no one right way to play this kind of inquisitor 28 warband based game um that i quite like so it's really interesting seeing everyone's different different opinions of what that sort of game should be like and what a typical game might look like yeah does that make sense yeah makes sense yeah (laughs) yeah i'll I'll, um I'll, i'll cut that off before i keep rambling on for the rest of the day we've we've had two miniature based games which is uh which is entirely what I was um, expecting to hear from you, which which has been cool to hear about. But then your final choice, uh, we're moving away from that area. Um, and the choice actually surprised me slightly. So what is your final game that you've chosen today? It's Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Okay, so you are the first person to pick that game, despite it being the most popular game in the world right now it's um you're the first person to choose it so i'm I'm interested to hear um what is your experience with with dnd fifth edition okay when i started getting into uh role-playing games like i I played tabletop games much before i started playing uh, dnd uh we i had several bad experiences with rpgs so i'm I'm surprised i'm still playing rpgs right (laughs) So first, first I tried uh, D and D third, I think, and the the DM was atrocious. Then I tried the actually Malico pen and paper role playing game. Ah, yeah. Which um, it it didn't go very well either. Mm. Both times, my brother was also in the group, and he was like, "What the hell?" Like, I I think role playing games are cool. Why is this happening? Why? Like, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. So he became uh, a GM, actually, and uh, we've been playing with him since. He likes 5th uh, edition. It's, uh, it's, I think it's easy for, for casual players. I'm a casual player. Hmm. Uh, and most of our group are casual players. We, we usually play with just the people we know. Um, sure. And... Um, so it's it's easy for him as a GM to manipulate all kinds of stuff. He does homebrewing. He made a a Pokemon mod for D and D fifth, I think. We we played that. Um, it's easy for him to adapt it to his own setting. That he makes up, you know, his own worlds mm. as well. And uh, so yeah, uh, the, it's it's easy. It's not. Yeah. I, I don't think it's the, the the most popular game for no reason. Yeah, yeah, and I think the um, it's interesting that you've you've had this kind of these two like full starts before before now, and um, it's it's a thing that I hear a lot of people saying that a lot of people tried to get into like third edition and fourth edition and something wasn't right, and then with fifth edition it clicked for them in a way that those games didn't, and I think. What what they have done really well is is that there's very little in there for the most part. This is going to be contentious with some people, so I apologize to them. <laughs> but I, I feel like overall, there's there's not much to dislike in there. I can understand why why some people don't love the game, 
Mm-hmm. But I think there's very little to to dislike. Exactly. Yes. And um, so, are you still playing D and D now? Yes. Uh, it, now it's a bit difficult to to meet up, not just because of the pandemic, yeah, but because yeah. of a lot of people in our group have jobs and and our schedules don't really align. So, and we're not fans of playing online. So, my brother is a bit frustrated now. But mm. you know, he he's trying to. To fill this void with with tabletop miniature games, then so <laughs> we we uh, we're playtesting Pablo right now, and uh, he's he's getting a, a bit of his gaming fix through that. But I hope someday we, we can resume our campaign. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm going to ask the important question. So, when you're playing Fifth Edition, do you use miniatures? Uh, actually, no. Ah. Um, Which I, I would largely, I, I'm the same. If I'm playing d and I don't want to be playing a miniatures game. I think of them as kind of two separate things. But but I'm interested to hear that um, that you don't. So yeah, what, what are your reasons for not using miniatures? There's there's so many miniatures I would have to make. <laughs> there, there's so much stuff going on. There's, there's so many monster types. Like my, my brother, yeah. he comes up with all kinds of stuff and to make all of that and use it only once i you know it, it's kind of limiting and if if and uh since i like everything uh to look good uh atmosphere yeah. is very important to me you see that in my miniature project so i have to have terrain i have to have all painted miniatures you know so if i'm if i'm playing D and uh, i have an awesome i don't know I have my character and looks awesome, and he's fighting against a, a coin that represents a wolf. Then that doesn't work for me. I'd rather have nothing then. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I think I can see that. Um, that it reminds me a lot of. Um, did you ever play um, Warhammer Quest at all? No, but I'm preparing to play uh, the Silver Tower. I'm almost finished with the ah. miniatures. Yeah, and oh. I'm looking forward to the new one that's coming out. But did yeah, you mean yeah, the, 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 the old first Warhammer Quest or, or, or do these yeah, new so the, ones the, count? The old one, yeah. The, I want to say 1995, maybe. No, that was um, before my time. I see. But that, that was, um, so that was a big game for me. But the thing that, I mean, I was only like 11 years old, so I didn't have massively high standards for miniatures anyway. But I remember being frustrated in that game because the box came with, you know, orcs, goblins, rats, yeah. a minotaur. It came with lots of different miniatures. But in the book, you could sort of, there was like a full list of monsters that you might encounter. Mm-hmm. And um, you could roll on this table and you might roll and say, okay, well, you've encountered six chaos dwarfs. And it it always frustrated me that <laughs> um, even at the time that uh, I didn't have all the miniatures for this. And I remember thinking when I'm when I'm older and I've got a job, and all this, all this money, I will, I will buy every miniature in this Warhammer Quest book, and have a full set laid out, and um, so that no matter what we roll, we've got the the correct miniature. But I think, I think you're right there because I think that the beauty of D and D is that you can just describe something, and if you describe it well, it can be something that is sort of unique and fresh, and, and you haven't got to worry about what miniatures you have available. Yes, yes. Yeah. If you're playing just with miniatures you have available, then you're kind of limited. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's the. I think that's the primary reason why I don't want to use miniatures in our games. I I, I dread to think if you, if you were actually trying to create all of the um, terrain and the scenery for a weekly game of D and think you'd need 
a warehouse like a, like a factory of people <laughs> and the warehouse to keep it in <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i can i can see i can see the appeal but that, that's that's a lot of work there yeah yeah because because weirdly my experience of fifth edition is i've played it a few times it's not really a game that i've chosen to i would i would probably choose to play other games if i wanted to play something like this but i've i've played it with people when like when that's the game that they want to play and the the one time i played in sort of a longer campaign of it it was involving miniatures and and that act of sort of when when you're you're role playing through a scenario and then all of a sudden they bring the miniatures out it it doesn't feel quite right to me and and the worst thing of all is i remember i can still remember being I don't want to exaggerate. I wasn't like legitimately upset, but I remember being like slightly annoyed when I, I arrived at the session, and the, the the guy who was running the game had this uh, miniature out already of like this big monster like on the table next to him. Spoiler. Yeah, and I was like, oh, are we? Are we I sort of said as a joke, oh, are we fighting that thing later? And he was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't tell me that. So um, I spent the whole session looking at this monster, thinking, well. When's this going to come out? And then, you know, an, an hour before the end of the session, he drops it down. And I think, oh, it's, it's slightly slightly less impactful now that we've uh, had, had it teased to us this whole time. Yeah. But no, that's cool to hear. And um, so in terms of role-playing games, you, you say that you're kind of a, a casual role-play, yeah, role-playing game absolutely. player. Yeah, absolutely. Most of my energy goes towards miniature games. So I, sure, I, I yeah. really can't do much role-playing and get invested in, in many games. Yeah. But... Um, is there anything? Are there any other role playing games that you have seen that have caught your interest? Uh, Molkborg. That's that's uh, that's a hit right now. It looks really yeah, good, yeah. and I would like to try it someday. And that's um, you might not think it to look at it, but that's actually a really good beginner game, I think, and accessible because the rules are much simpler than D and D Fifth Edition. Awesome. Now I'm, the... I'm even more sold on it. Yeah, I mean that the, the the book is mostly just um amazing graphic design that there's very little in there in the way of rules so it's uh yeah it's, it's a good one to try out if you do want to try a different one yeah, it, it might be the the first game game i'm gonna actually uh, gm because i've never uh, been a game master before in in an, in, oh, a, nice. in an rpg i've done it with miniature games but not with rpgs i think it worked i think i think it could looking at sort of the um the sort of world building that you've done for um your miniatures i i kind of feel like you could mash the two together quite well um the sort of the world of mortborg and um the sort of world building on gardens of hecate um i'm already failing to pronounce hecate (laughs) hecate sorry um yeah so i think that could be a cool combination so looking back over your three choices um were there any, I mean, we've, we've gone through a few honorable mentions already of, of sort of other miniature games that you've tried and other other role-playing games. In terms of your your work that you do on miniatures, um, outside of tabletop games, what are the biggest influences for you? Uh, um, I would say uh, uh, computer games. There's there's mm. a lot of stuff, like uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, sure. a, lo- a lot of inspiration there. I'm also a big fan of Diablo 2, uh, Darkest Dungeon, The Witcher. You know, a, a lot of a lot of inspiration comes from from uh, games. Yeah, yeah. 
also art. Like I, I go and look for interesting artwork all over the internet. I have folders packed with stuff, and sometimes an, an image inspires me to make a character. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I remember reading something. This this was a few years ago now, where somebody was somebody was pointing out that in the sort of the 1990s, let's say, when video game graphics were much more basic, um, you, you could make a miniature that looks better than a video game. Um, whereas now, obviously, video game graphics are they can be these incredibly detailed things that you couldn't really try and recreate in miniature. But I feel like the the Souls games, especially, I see so much of that influence in what people are doing with miniatures that I think, I think it's, it's, I think you can't, um, I think it's easy to overlook how much of an influence that has been on like what I'm seeing. Like when I looked at my Instagram feed, which is just miniatures, so many people are taking the influence from that, like dark souls and bloodborne aesthetic. Um, what is it about it that really sort of speaks to you? I don't know. I, I like monsters and knights, I guess that that's, I've, I've always liked them and there's a lot of yeah. that <laughs> in there so i suppose it's that yeah there's a lot of cool armor that's the thing like yeah, that's yeah. the thing that leaps out at me of what what i remember about <laughs> dark souls is like seeing so many cool like knights and thinking like oh this this would fit on like a on a on, in a in a miniatures game yeah also i i like the, the the atmosphere and the the architecture they have in the game like that's mm, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of inspiration for for making scenery in there, uh, I, what I wish is uh, that the game were easier because I am a casual player. Uh, so it's it's not that easy for me to go sightseeing around the game because yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get killed. I get killed. I can't pass a freaking boss. So uh, so I just watch playthroughs on YouTube. Uh, but with some games, uh, I can I can go and and look at the sights easily like uh, i did that with uh, diablo 3 it's not a very good game i gotta say yeah, yeah. but uh, but it, the environment there's a lot of cool details in there so i just go around and screenshot and store it for later yeah for sure and i think that the thing that makes the thing that i i am really impressed with when i look at um i i forget what you what you've called it i'm gonna you, you've done some work with um with the um, the Stormcast miniatures yep. that you've, that you've uh, done. And I, I know this is like a really cliched opinion, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the Stormcast as they look out of the box. Yeah. But I think if you, I think changing them just enough, like what you've done and giving them a bit more of a, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but feeling like drawing that Dark Souls inspiration yeah. and putting yeah, well, that into the, the way that they look is a really good combination. I, I think so too. They uh, when they, when they first released them, I was like, yeah, I could make really cool big knights from that. They mm. they have a lot of p- potential. Uh, they're just not that great out of the box. I agree. Especially the 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 chest armor is very odd. Uh, yeah. So, but, but it's it's not difficult to fix it. You just learn a bit of sculpting, and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at some of your work now, and uh, it doesn't look easy. But um, may, maybe sculpting can be my next challenge. I recommend it. I, I definitely recommend it because sculpting gives you a lot of freedom. That that's why I pushed myself to learn. Uh, I'm not I'm not yet at the level I want to be, 
but you know mm. you, you you gotta start somewhere and uh, it it really pays off because you you can make stuff you imagine in your head you don't have to have an existing bit that you go on ebay and pay a bunch of money for you can just sculpt it mm. yourself or if it doesn't even exist anywhere yeah yeah, yeah. And have you sculpted an entire piece from scratch yet, or is it you, you? I know obviously you make you make sort of parts for yourself. Yeah, yeah I, I have sculpted a bunch of minis. Uh, I had oh, a nice. Kickstarter a couple of years ago. I did uh, arrange for uh, for a Canadian company, Harwood Hobbies, and uh-huh. I sculpted another range that might come on Kickstarter this year for a different guy. Uh, and also, ah. Uh, I sculpted some uh, Dark Souls-like knights for... Um, they will be prizes at uh, Smash Bash, which is a painting competition. Actually, a hobby competition. There's two categories, setting a scene and uh, 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 most creative kit bash. So it's for, for this kind of community that likes kit bashing and making atmospheric stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... For another month, you can enter. So Google Smash Bash, uh, you'll you'll find the competition. Um, you can win some of my sculpts there. That's cool stuff. Sorry, I, I've massively undersold uh, your sculpting ability there because um, I, I'm I'm mainly more familiar with the work that you've done, where you've sculpted parts and sort of done some kit bashing. Um, but no, that that sounds absolutely fantastic. In terms of your choices as well, um, this is a really difficult question. So I, I apologize in advance for this question. But when you think about how your tastes are different now compared to what they were, I don't know, five or 10 years ago in terms of your taste in games, how do you see your choices changing if you were to revisit this list in the future? I reckon I'm going to continue going for games that are uh, even uh, more rules light than what I'm doing right now, and mm. uh, and there are more and more games coming out. Actually, more and more indie games from the 28 community. Like each year, there's there's a few more coming out, and each of them has something appealing. So I'm I'm definitely gonna try try out try out all of those, see if they they fit my my playstyle. Maybe some scenario I want to play or whatever. I'm mm. definitely going to play more of uh, Warhammer Quest because this new one that's coming out looks fantastic. I hope the game yeah, is good. Yeah. I'm going to use the miniatures definitely, but I hope the game will also be good. That's that's something. So, I'm going to so that's a board game basically. So, I'm I'm going to play more board games definitely. Um yeah, I have a lot more work to do now, so I'm I'm more selective about what I play. Uh, mm, sure. And yeah, and I'm definitely going to play more of my own game so I can make it better. And I'm interested in, I'm, I'm also eagerly awaiting this new Warhammer Quest Cursed City box. Um, and similar to you, I think I'm, I'm mainly looking at it because I want the miniatures and I will probably try the game, but I, I don't know whether it will be any good. Um, but for the miniatures, I'm going to ask for a... A, a topic that I've seen people be very opinionated about. Um, have you seen the zombie miniatures that are in the box? Yes, I have. Um, With the the tombstones on their back. Yeah. Um, are you are you pro or anti? I don't hate them, but on mine, I'm gonna remove those things. Ah, okay. Because uh, the I know why they did it. So they are unique, and 
you know, their games workshop, everything they make has to look unique and be named yeah, unique yeah. these days. I'm, I don't know if they're even called zombies. I think they're dead walkers or something. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I understand why they did it. It doesn't look terrible to me, but I think they would look better without it and more, more, more usable, more widely yeah, usable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely on the fence still. I, I can't quite work out whether I love it or hate it at the minute. So you're going to be, are you going to be keeping most of the miniatures as they are, or are you going to be mining that set for sort of parts to use on, on other creations? Or are you going to try and have a sort of semi-faithful recreation of, of what they what they come as in the box? Uh, I think most of the miniatures will stay as they are or with slight changes because I just, I really love them. Uh, it, it rarely yeah. happens that I love a release so much. Like, uh, yeah. So they're gonna be mostly unchanged. With on on many models, I I have like a detail I want to remove, or like on that wizard that has a bunch of vermin on him. Like there's a cat, a yeah. rat, a bat. Like why? It's it's too much, too much stuff. So I'm gonna <laughs> probably leave only one of those animals on him. He looks like a zoo. <laughs> but uh, more animals. Maybe there's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Some frogs, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I might do that as a challenge. I feel like I feel like I've I've seen a couple of people say they're going to remove an animal, but I I know what I've got. I've I've got it in my head now because I have I've sold most of the contents of my original Warhammer Quest box from '95, yeah. but I did find in my bits box a, like a, a well, it's a giant spider, but it's it's yeah. tiny. It's about the size of a thing, of a thumbnail, um, and I, I might put this giant spider on on him um so that he has got one more animal than out of the box and see if it <laughs> see if it somehow creates equilibrium by uh, <laughs> adding in more chaos well that's great um thank you so much for coming on and uh sharing your choices with us um so if people want to find out more about your uh your modeling projects and your games and everything else that you do where can they do that uh, gardensofhackett.com it's my uh, it's my website I used to have a blog before but now I moved on to my entire website since I became a freela freelance uh, painter and sculptor so you can find my blogging there you can find a gallery of my work you can find my uh, tutorials and, and battle reports and all kinds of stuff you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook well thank you again to Anna for joining me and uh, thank you for listening. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with everything Bastionland at bastionland.com, where there are links to the Discord server, Twitch, and YouTube channels, and to Patreon, where you can help support this podcast. And I, I will add as an additional one here, I, I do have an Instagram, Instagram account, which is almost entirely me posting miniatures that I've uh, painted. But um, please do not hold me to the same standards as um, Anna's feed. Um, it's <laughs> it's a different level. Um, so you can join me next week where I'll be welcoming another guest to distill their gaming history into the rule of three. Goodbye for now. <laughs>